This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, what medical care really means in the poorest of countries. Patients that would easily be diagnosed and treated die what we call stupid deaths, deaths that would never have happened if the patient had just been born someplace else. Life and death in the third world when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Reed Pence, the producer and host of Radio Health Journal. If you like listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics, from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. Two-thirds of people who are released from incarceration are then rearrested within a few years. The incarceration epidemic. Then... Every major organ and system within the body and every process within the brain is wonderfully enhanced by sleep when we get it and is demonstrably impaired when we don't get enough. The many interconnected benefits of getting restful sleep. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Radio Health Journal and Viewpoints on your favorite radio station. And subscribe and listen anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. Doctors in the U.S. have the great privilege of practicing in modern hospitals equipped with the latest technologies. We as patients don't hesitate to make an appointment if we have anything at all wrong with us. Maybe an infection that's not going away or troubling headaches. But in the poorest of countries, such as the Caribbean island of Haiti, advanced medical technology isn't available. And many patients don't get the care they need for even simple things. The consequences can be devastating. As doctors in the United States, we take for granted the tests we can order, the medicines we can prescribe, the surgeons we can call in the middle of the night to come in and do something really miraculous, but we take it for granted. In Haiti, many of those resources aren't there for their doctors. They have wonderful, very skilled, highly trained doctors, but who don't have all the tools of modern medicine that we have here. And so patients that would easily be diagnosed and treated die what we call stupid deaths, deaths that would never have happened the patient had just been born someplace else. That's Dr. Aaron Berkowitz, Director of Global Health at the Kaiser Permanente School of Medicine and author of One by One by One, Making a Small Difference Amid a Billion Problems. One of the challenges in Haiti is many people live very rurally and have the challenge in our own country as well, have difficulty getting to health care or the closest Healthcare they might be able to get to might not only be far away, but very under-resourced or not open at all hours. So just simple infections that here a patient would have a fever, call their doctor, get into the hospital or get some treatment and be fine. Because it's such an effort and such a cost to poor patients to get to the hospital, they may wait longer. And so simple infections can become very advanced by the time patients arrive at the hospital. And just to run the tragic numbers a bit, in Haiti, infant mortality is eight times higher than the United States. So a baby born in Haiti is eight times more likely to die while still a baby. A pregnant mother is 25 times more likely to die of complications of pregnancy and childbirth than in the United States. And Haiti is just about an hour and a half flight from Miami. And the lifespan in Haiti on average is about 63. And if you're born an hour and a half flight away in the United States, it's about 80. When Berkowitz was a young doctor just starting his neurological practice, he was inspired to volunteer with a nonprofit organization called Partners in Health, whose mission is to bring the benefits of modern medical science to those most in need. 
Because he spoke a little bit of French, Haiti is where the organization sent Berkowitz. That's where he met a new patient, a young man named Janelle. Janelle had developed difficulty walking and difficulty talking, and it turned out he had the largest brain tumor I had ever seen. So here I was, a brand new doctor, hoping I could help this patient and make the first big save of my career. And so I brought Janelle to Boston with me for the complicated brain surgery that he needed. And without giving too much of the story of the book away, let's just say that things don't go quite as planned. And this book is about the twists and the turns, the triumphs, but also the tragedies and all the confusing spaces in between that happen when a doctor like me from one of the world's richest countries tries to help a patient like Janelle from one of the world's poorest. But before Berkowitz could take Janelle to Boston for a complicated brain surgery, he had to convince his colleagues to take Janelle's case. When we wanted to bring Janelle to Boston, there were those who told us it's, it's not cost effective. You know, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to take care of this young man. With that money, you could build a whole new hospital. And you know, I remember thinking we could build a whole new hospital, but what good would that do Janelle? Right? He wouldn't be able to use that hospital. That would be years away. And so there's this tension in, in medicine always. We want to be preventive and prevent patients from developing disease and work on our health system. But we can't forget that no matter what we do, disease is there and individuals will face it. And we need to be ready to take care of those individuals with the same passion that inspires us to deal with the larger problems of inequity, injustice, lack of access to health care. We need our policymakers to work on those problems, but in the meantime, we need to each take care of each other. With that argument, Berkowitz won his case, and Janelle was admitted to Brigham and Women's Hospital. But the challenges were just beginning. Communicating with Janelle, a man from a poor rural village in Haiti who was now in the bustling medical center in Boston, proved extremely difficult. One of the things in this book is thinking about how do we communicate with patients about medicine and about treatments and about risks and benefits and what is success the surgery means for one patient versus the other, and then all of that in the context of being from different cultures, being from different backgrounds, and trying to communicate across those lines. Berkowitz says Janelle's situation calls to mind a story. Two people are walking along the shore when they come across thousands of starfish washed up on the beach. One of the people bends down and starts throwing starfish back into the sea. The other one says, well, there are so many of them. Why bother? What does it matter? The first throws another starfish into the water and says, it matters to that one. So it was with Janelle. After many surgeries and complications, his brain tumor was successfully removed. But then he returned home to Haiti, where his survival was threatened, not by illness, but by the staggering poverty in which he still had to live. There's a Haitian proverb. There are many Haitian Creole proverbs which are very profound and that come up here and there throughout the book. And one that I come back to, and I think an important one for this moment, is tout moun se moun, which means every person is a person. And coming back to what we were talking about earlier, when we think about these problems in society that measure in the thousands and in the millions and in the billions, and we lose track of the scope of those problems because the numbers are so large, I try to remember tout moun se moun, remind people every person is a person. Behind every zero of billions, however many zeros there are in these billions, those aren't zeros. Those are ones. Those are individual people like you and me. And I think when we think about problems that way, it helps us be uh, inspired to help our fellow human being and be inspired to have the compassion to come forward and not see a problem as an insurmountable mound of billions, but to see 
that we're each part of a larger struggle and need to help each other in that struggle. Aaron Berkowitz's book, One by One by One, Making a Small Difference Amid a Billion Problems, is available now. You can learn more about all of our guests by visiting our website at radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer this week is Polly Hansen. Our studio producer is Jason Dickey, and I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns in just a moment. With everybody centered at home these days, maintaining one's health and a healthy outlook are critical. When each day delivers a certain sameness, snacking can become a comforting diversion. That makes healthy choices all the more important. Registered dietitian Courtney Romano is the health advisor for the California Table Grape Commission. When it comes to snacking, fresh grapes are always a great choice. They are healthy and hydrating with a juicy pop of flavor and always ripe and ready to eat when you buy them. A smart alternative to processed snacks that come with added salt, fat, and sugar. Try freezing grapes for an all-natural frozen treat. They're like mini sorbets. Grapes from California are in season now. Grapes of all colors, red, green, and black, are a natural source of beneficial antioxidants and other polyphenols, which research suggests contribute to a healthy heart. Visit GrapesFromCalifornia.com for more summer cool ideas. As patients throughout the country begin to return to their allergist's office, a top priority is keeping everyone safe from COVID-19. Allergists are getting in touch to let their patients know about protocols that keep people safe and socially distanced. While some visits can happen remotely with telemedicine, Dr. J. Allen Meadows, president of the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, says that's not always possible. Controlling allergy and asthma symptoms is as important now as ever, and patients on allergy shots must come to the office. Other types of treatments that are best done in person include life-saving biologics, allergy testing, oral challenges for food allergies, and new patient visits. Most allergists have created strict procedures for in-person visits to ensure the safety of their patients. For example, masks are mandatory and remote check-in patients can wait in their cars instead of the waiting room and may even receive some services in some practices in the parking lot. Find out more at ACAAI.org. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. So we're calling it Hot House Earth because that's what it looked like. It's not impossible for life, but it would be very, very challenging for the current sort of humanity to live. Predictions of what Earth will look like if temperatures keep going up. Then, do you feel like a fraud despite your accomplishments and successes? You're not alone. If you were raised by humans, you have statistically a much better chance of growing up to have imposter feelings. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.